Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 17 After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed to you, to those who gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me, None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they may too be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and I have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them.
can't believe Jesus prayed for me. I sort of knew he did, but seeing it today written in black and white has hit me like a hammer. My heart feels like it's charging around in my chest that Jesus would think to do that. It's staggering. But what he prayed for me is not what I expected. I'd have expected him to pray for me, what he prayed for the disciples, protection from the evil one, experience of the full measure of joy, sanctification. This is all good stuff that I long to see happening in my life. But instead, Jesus prays that we'll all be one. This needs some thought. As he reclines with a few guys in an upper room, Jesus casts his genius mind forward to the billions scattered across every nation who would be swept into his sheepfold. And he sees the battleground will be fought over our oneness. We'd be dumb not to dwell on this. Already, even with the few in the upper room, Jesus has seen the oneness begin to break apart as the devil entered Judas. The seed that leads to the scattering of the eleven has been sown. If Jesus' kingdom was to be extended on earth, the church would need to cling more closely to oneness than the disciples were currently doing. And that context, I believe, is the key to understanding what Jesus is praying for. It's not a pitch for a bland ecumenism. It's not a fuzzy smile and a shoulder rub for anyone who says they believe in Jesus. The thrust of this prayer is for the church militant, hard-pressed, outmanned, outgunned, holding the line, leaving as a band of brothers, working for the good of the sisterhood, not letting fault lines crack, lifting one another up in prayer, all for one and one for all. I'm remarkably unfussed about denominations and church titles. Doing joint projects with other churches is fine as far as it goes. That is not what Jesus is praying for here. What really matters is that whatever our title, whatever our project, we love the church. We love the whole of Jesus's church. We fight for them, mourn with them and rejoice with them. We hold them up in prayer and earnestly desire that they should know the Father, that they would be one in the Spirit and in Christ, just as Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in him. If that is where we get to, then we will really appear to be the body of Christ that God has made us. If that is where we get to, then it will be clear to all of creation that the Father is real and that he loves his world. That is what Jesus has prayed I can become. That is what Jesus, seated in all authority at the right hand of the Father, is interceding and pleading and praying over you, over you, right now, that you would love his church. And you'd see it come to all that he made it to be. So here's a question for reflection. What could you do to love even more of all of Jesus's church? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.